Welcome to The Edges of Lean. I'm Bella Engelbach, and in this podcast, we explore the human and creative side of lean thinking, unusual places where lean thinking is practiced. We meet people who are practicing continuous improvement in many different flavors and styles. So come along with me on a journey to the edges of lean. Episode 64, Continuously Improving Your Cognitive Functions with ST Rappaport. Practicing lean changes your brain. Do you agree? I know for me, repeating the patterns of plan, do, check, act, the pattern of the improvement cutter, using and adapting all those lean tools, I think very differently from the way I used to think. This conversation with ST Rappaport illuminated for me what cognitive functions we are improving when we practice lean thinking and why that practice works. I think you will be as fascinated as I was when you meet her. ST Rappaport, welcome to the Edges of Lean. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you today. Esti, you are all about a growth mindset. So tell us about yourself and your pathway into coming to to think about and work on and teach people about, about a growth mindset. Yes. So actually, I go by the title just to make it easier for people in their brains to understand. Um, by productivity coach for entrepreneurs, um, what I do is I help people rewire their brain so that way they could think more efficiently and effectively. So how I got into this was when I was, I think, fifth grade, I was still struggling with reading and my parents were like sending me to tons of tutors, like a top one in town. And I still had a hard time with reading. So eventually, um, my mom summarized her all we were, there's this method called Feuerstein that's super popular and she, but like, for some reason in America, it just, it's just not like it's all over the world, but it wasn't like, it's not too many people know about it in America. She decided to bring some people in and I got some sessions and it literally changed the way my brain thinks because it doesn't like, didn't teach me reading. I didn't go to reading instead it changed the way how my brain thinks about things and it affected everything else. It affected my reading, affected my, all my other studies, my memory, it affected my, even like my confidence and my relationship with people. So because I saw how cool it, like, and how much it affected me, I was like, Ooh, I want to go into this. So. And this was, this was fifth grade when, when this happened. Yeah. So I didn't know I wanted to go into it in fifth grade, but I got, I started getting my sessions in fifth grade and it went on for like a couple of years, like on and off. Sometimes we did more, sometimes other, because especially that we had to bring, like, there's not many people trained in it. We had to like bring people in to get trained in, like who were trained in it to do it with me. So it depends who was available. But when I was 17, I started getting trained in it, um, to work in it. And ever since then I've been working on, and then I started also geeking out on the research behind it because a lot of it is on neuroplasticity. And when this method was so cool invented in the 1950s, neuroplasticity wasn't as popular as it is now. Um, but and probably, I think probably just not as well researched and known, right? Exactly. In, the, in the 1950s, exactly. there was, I mean, I don't know a lot about the history of neuroscience, but I would imagine in the 1950s, there was sort of this idea that, that once you learn something or adopted some habits, it probably was not all that easy to rewire or, or create new neural pathways. I mean, so exactly. there's been so, a lot of research on that since. Exactly. You said it, right? So I think like the term neuroplasticity actually came out sometime in the 1950s, um, but like it wasn't 
very researched, wasn't very well known um, until like the 1990s and even early 2000s. But one person who did do a lot of research on this was Carol Dweck with the growth mindset, back to what you were saying. And I like meshed it all together and, you know, a huge fan of growth mindset. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So go back a little bit one, once again and tell us what was the name of the method that you were taught in order to help you um with your your reading difficulties and tell us a little bit about how that helped you with the reading difficulties yes okay so it gets very sciencey you're gonna have to tell me how deep or how not deep you want me to I, I think i think i trust my audience we've got a smart group of people listening so i think they're gonna really be really excited about the sciencey part so go for it amazing okay so the method, first of all, is called Feuerstein, Feuerstein, depends like how you pronounce it. It's based on the professor, um, Ruben Feuerstein, who made up this method. Um, but basically, the way it works is when we say thinking, thinking is not one big thing. Thinking is actually made up of 28 parts called cognitive functions, okay? Now, we all have straight, stronger and weaker cognitive functions, either genetically or because of the habits that like the people that we were around and just how, like how our brain work. Now, when those weaker ones are weak, when those cognitive functions are weak and they have an effect on everything else that you're doing, right? So most of the time, what happens is we are trying to fix a problem, like let's say reading, when there's really a deeper problem, okay? Imagine um, someone has, let's say, a leak in their ceiling and instead of like fixing the leak, they just like put new plaster on the ceiling and paint the wall again. And then the leak is still going to come out through again because the leak is still there. Right. So cognitive functions are that leak. It's that thing that's like inside even deeper. And when you fix that, then everything else is going to start working. So it doesn't mean that. So what happened back to, back to what I was saying about the reading to, to answer your question is I had to improve my cognitive functions. Once my cognitive functions were strong, reading was very easy for me to learn. So, I mean, what you're talking about is really, you know, very similar to what we talk about in lean when we're talking about uh, root cause analysis, understanding what the root cause of a problem is and not, not fixing the surface symptom, but really going in deeper, understanding what the root cause is, and then uh, doing work to fix or, or, or try to solve the issues around the root cause. And that's, um, you know, and that's how you you fix, I won't fix things permanently, and I don't necessarily mean permanently, but until a circumstance changes and you, you have to go and, and and work on it again. So I think that's very much aligned with how people involved in, in continuous improvement think. But you're talking about, you're talking about the underlying um, brain functions, these cognitive functions, right? Um, and how, and how, they, how they impact things perhaps like how you learn, how, how you're able to get things done, how efficient you might be. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's that's summarize that really well. Yes. <laughs> okay. So and then and then as you got um a little bit older, you learned about uh Carol Dweck and her work with the growth mindset. Right. So what was the connection that you saw with the growth mindset and the Feuerstein um work? Yes. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, growth mindset is the ability, it has the mindset 
of being able to learn anything whenever, because as long as you put in the hard work and the perseverance, your brain is going to be able to learn it versus a fixed mindset where it's like, no, this is the way I am. This is the way I'm going to stay. That this whole mindset of being able to grow and being able to learn anything is the foundation of where you're seeing. We believe that whatever situation a person is in, no matter how smart or how not smart or whatever, how much brain damage, how much, whatever your thing is, you can improve the brain so and grow and learn new things. And that is a very important thing for people who are in, again, in continuous improvement. Because one of the biggest challenges that we have in bringing a, a sort of a continuous improvement way of living or way of working to people is, is people's um, difficulties in changing from the way they have been thinking to uh, changing to a new way of thinking. I mean, and I've told this story before in the podcast, but I have literally had a leader say to me, no, I'm actually not going to change, right? Wow. Which means, which means <laughs> that you actually, <laughs> actually the results that you would like to get from the work that you want me to do aren't going to happen because you have decided that you're you're not going to change that you, you you're fixed right you're done you're a grown-up you're done you know you don't have any more growing to do yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the foundation is, of, of like continuous learning is 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 the growing part of it right so <laughs> yeah 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 so um when you when you started working with other people, what were some of the insights that you got? As I mean, so so I'm, I'm sure you developed a whole set of insights about yourself, right? Oh. As, as you were doing this work, <laughs> right? What did you learn about other people when you started working with other people? A lot of things. First of all, there's a lot of different cognitive functions, right? There's 28 of them, and there's a whole different bunch of combinations. So every person um, is different. Every person has different struggles, but there are some that I guess are more common. I don't know if it's because of the way the brain works or if it's because of, uh, because of the way society runs. But what was interesting was I found the ones that were common were a little bit less relatable to me. And I actually had to learn how a lot of people were working and how to like really understand them. I'll give you an example. One of the cognitive functions is called clear perception. It's being able to see things in a clear and organized manner, right? When you open a book, you start from the first page. You don't start from, I mean, you could start from the middle of the book, but you're not learning it in an organized manner, right? If you're trying to fill out a form, are you starting from smack in middle or you're starting from top and you're going in order, okay? This helps keep your brain organized. Now, my brain very much just like has to do it. Now, in a way, it gets a bit too extreme the other way, which is also a problem. I have to learn how to do it the other way. Um, but- so, so you say that, that your brain is, is, is naturally a start from the, the top, start at the beginning and, and, and work your way through brain. So, to, so what did you learn about other people? Yeah. So a lot of people have what's called when the cognitive function is weak, it's called a cognitive deficiency and it's called blurred perception. A lot of people, they just get very overwhelmed when they see a lot of things and they don't even know where to start. So think of, let's say coming into a room, you have to clean a room or you have to clean your desk and there's so much going on that you don't even start. 
right? This is called blurred perception. There's so much happening here. Instead of your brain being able to say, okay, we're going to make a starting point. That's a strategy that you want to teach your brain to learn. When it's coming into this room, instead of being overwhelmed or has a new task to do and it doesn't know how to do it, instead of being overwhelmed, it says, okay, this is a starting point. This is where I'm starting from and I am going to continue through. So if you're cleaning up your room, it would be to first, let's say, take out all the garbage or if you are planning for a party, it's going to be, let's say maybe who the menu is, or maybe it has to be first what the, like what the theme is or depending, depending on what you're doing. So that's, that's, that's interesting to me because I have, I have people in my family who have um, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And so the, 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 one of the functions is difficult then is that function of studying with something and sticking with it. Right. That's actually, one second, sorry to interrupt you, but that's actually a different cognitive function. That's what makes it so confusing. People think that, oh, start, starting and think is not the same thing as being able to see it clearly. <laughs> sorry, right. just get very passionate <laughs> well, about okay, it. Well, th yeah, thanks for that correction. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's good. But I mean, yeah, so, Back so, right, right. And, and I just, I just want to also want to contrast, I'll, I'll give a, give an example from from um kind of from the work that that I do in combining creativity creative thinking and lean thinking so one of the things that I hear people say when I tell them you know one of the ways to be creative is to make sure that you are building a good solid set of options to start with you're not you're not starting with just one thing and then taking it all the way through because you've already taken out all the op opportunities for creativity. And a lot of people say, I don't like to have a lot of options. I feel overwhelmed if I have too many options. I don't know how to manage having a lot of options. And then, you know, I get overwhelmed and then I can't move forward. So what, it sounds like what you're saying is what they're seeing is there's just this whole universe of, of options. And I, and how do I, even start with this and it's probably better to go do something else. Right. Point, so, right. So, right. So here you're, what you're doing is you're telling them to give a lot of options, but they could have multiple cognitive functions that are weak and different people could get overwhelmed for different reasons. So some people, it might be, oh my gosh, you're so, it, like, I don't know where to start. I don't even know where to look. I just see like a hundred thoughts everywhere. Some people, maybe they could they could like see that in an organized manner, but they just get overwhelmed by the ability to make a decision, which come from the cognitive function of comparisons, right? So we have the same task that for some people don't have a problem doing, and some people struggle doing for many different core cognitive function reasons. Uh, and everybody's a little bit different, right? So you've exactly. got 28, 28 of these functions and, um, I can't even, that's overwhelming. Do the math there. Right. <laughs> Possible combinations, particularly when you mix in different levels of strength and, um, and uh, lack of strength, right? You know, so, so everybody's probably a little bit different, but you said you, you, one of the things that you saw as you started to work with other people was a lot of people struggled with, with this ability uh, of what, what did you call it? Clear, clear perception. Clear perception. Yeah. yeah yes. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So, so tell me, Esti, when you walk into a room that needs to be cleaned up, what do you see? 
So I right away say, okay, this is the first thing I need to do. This is what I'm doing next. This is what's happening next. It's literally like get to work type of thing because my brain is like, okay, this is what, this is what has to happen. Now, don't worry. I have enough other cognitive functions that I have to like strengthen a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so that- so what I, but I guess what I'm saying is from like, from a, from a advising or coaching perspective, if you go in with that idea, right, that other people are like you, then it's very difficult. It would be very difficult if you were to understand or have empathy for people who can't do that. So I guess that was one of the things that you, that um, it, it's so interesting when we start working with other people, how we, we suddenly start to see things that, oh, they're, they're like me in this way, but they're not like me in these other ways. And that takes a lot of, um, you were talking about clear perception, but it takes a lot of self-awareness as well, right? So- yeah. Oh yeah. I'm like a self-awareness queen. I think everything starts with self-awareness um, and it's a really big one. I must say that like it was added bonus for me that because I got it as a kid and some of my sessions, I didn't one-on-one, some of my sessions I did in groups, I got to see a lot of, um, a lot of different like ways of doing it with different methods and different, different, um, mentor, um, mediators, um, and different people with struggling with different cognitive deficiencies. So by the time I got into it, it was already like, okay, this is normal. What else, what else have you seen that's sort of a difference from the way that you're wired and the way that a lot of other people are wired? One specifically that is different from the way I'm wired. Um, yeah, I'll give you a really good example. Okay, you know how people like to procrastinate, which again is not because they specifically want to procrastinate. We're procrastinating actually for one of two reasons, either because um, we don't have that motivation, meaning we don't see the payoff for why it's worth it, or because of a cognitive deficiency. Now, again, it could be any one of the cognitive deficiencies. So it's too hard for our brain to want to like the to do it because we have this cognitive deficiency. But anyways, I always have this um, mindset ever since I was little that like, this has to happen right away. Let's get to it and let's do it. Now, here's the problem, okay? Let's say I needed to go return something, drop something off, um, let's say by UPS, for example, okay? Mm-hmm. I have something I need to go and drop off. It has to happen right now, today. Even if I know that tomorrow I'm getting another order and I might have to return more things and I could just go tomorrow and go both at the same time. I would literally, before my brain was rewired, I would literally go to UPS today and go go to UPS tomorrow and just like waste, I don't know, one or two hours of my life for absolutely no reason. Why? Other than to satisfy that that need. Yes. Okay. Or, or because my cognitive function of categorizations of being able to group things together and put them in proper, um, like almost boxes in your brain to like be mm-hmm. clear. Didn't couldn't do that. I can't say that. Okay. This is just going on the back burner. It literally didn't have the ability to do that. Everything had to happen now. And if it didn't happen now, it annoyed me and it affected many areas because if let's say I would walk into the house and someone, um, had like, let's say didn't put something in the garbage right away, right? They're in the middle of cooking or baking and they didn't put it in the garbage right away. It would irk me so badly that I would get mad because why are you not putting it in the garbage when they're like, I'll do it soon when I clean up the whole kitchen to my brain, didn't have the ability to go and say, wait, hold on, wait here now took work and rewired my brain, but now I don't have that problem anymore. I have the ability to understand and can group things together and save tons of hours. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. that's really interesting. And again, you know, from a lean continuous improvement perspective, that's one of the, the things that we talk about a lot. We talk about the idea of 
um, in say in product development, making decisions at the right time so don't make them too early, right? You don't want to make them until you have enough information. If you feel like you've got to make the decision, you might you might make a big mistake, right? And, and in in other types of work, um, you know, in, in improving efficiency and effectiveness um, in an organization, there is often a drive, like we got to get things done right away. It may not make sense. You may even be delivering things to people who don't need them, can't use them. You're going to build, you you know, you hand it off to somebody else. You're making a mess for them. You're building their inbox. You're building their pile of work to do before they're even ready to do it. And one of the big things that's really hard to get some people's minds about is that you actually waiting on some things, not doing them right away is overall more efficient. Yeah, for a lot of people, <laughs> they just don't get that, right? You know, I mean, to make a decision before you have enough information, that's inefficient, right? It could be massively inefficient. Um, or to, you know, to, um, you know, finish, I got to hurry and finish my report today and hand it off to Susie, who's going to read it and review it for me. Well, Susie's got six other reports to do. You know, you're rushing. She is not going to feel so overwhelmed because she's got so much more work to do. And nobody's actually really happy. You're frustrated that she's not getting it done right right away, too. So I love that. So tell us more about, about this categorization. I can't even say it, categorization. Like categorizing, right? Categorization. Categorization, yes. <laughs> Yes, and, and what is that cognitive function specifically? Yes. This is very cool. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so cognitive functions is the ability to be able to group things correctly and give them the right label, okay? So a lot of times when people organize their house or they organize their desk, they put, just put things wherever they think at that moment makes... I'll give you a very good example, okay? We recently moved. My, my parents recently moved. Um, they were like splitting their houses. They were buying two houses and moving half the stuff to one place and half the stuff to the other house. Both houses were smaller, okay? They took like their big house and we did stuff. And I walked into my mom's kitchen and I was like, um, why is this over here? And she's like, because like the draw, this fits the draw. Like this is like a narrow draw and she had like a few things that were narrow and it just made the most sense there. The problem with that was, is that the, the things in that drawer, she doesn't need in that side of the kitchen. She needs them on the other side of the kitchen. So what happens is every single time she needs to go and get that thing, she has to go and use it in the other drawer. Now it doesn't either make sense to go and put those things in that narrow drawer in that big drawer and it's just going to go flying everywhere. What would have made more sense was to put dividers in that big drawer so that way the stuff are in the right size and in the right place, right? So that comes back to the ability to be able to see how are we grouping things? How are we separating things or combining them? It goes both ways. Are we taking a big thing and we're making it into small groups? Are we taking small groups and putting them into group, big groups? And are we labeling them? Are we calling them the right thing? Yeah, and then from a, I'm just thinking about the kitchen example because this is such a great example. I see it's it's also are we thinking about them according to their function and when we actually use them, right? Exactly. Because, you, actually because other you know, it's the kind of person like comes into your kitchen, puts stuff away from your dishwasher. Thought, Thank you so much for emptying my dishwasher. Well, they put all, I don't know, they put all the spoons together. Well, you know, if you need a, if you need a, t a teaspoon to take the tea bag out of the teacup, and you would like to have that teaspoon next to the kettle, they're going to feel better if they put it in the, sp in the spoon drawer, right? Because they categorized it that way. But there's also this categorization by function, right? Which is, I think, what you're talking about is so, so what's more, what is actually how, how your mother works in the kitchen? And at when, do, where does she use that particular 
thing. And uh, how often um, and this is, yeah. Yeah, yeah so exactly. How often is a big one, right? Like sometimes like people put like dishes that they use like just on Thanksgiving right at eye level or whatever. And then like everything that they use every day, they have to reach really high up. Yeah, because well, the big ones, because the big ones look pretty, right? You want <laughs> you want your cabinets to look right. pretty. So sometimes, yeah, you do take um um looks and 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 presentation yeah, all into yeah. consideration, but it's all part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. So and then it, and then it's about purpose, right? So so what is what is my purpose and how I am categorizing this stuff? So it's a very advanced. A cognitive function that you're That's talking correct. about. That is correct. It's interesting that you notice that it's an advanced one because most people don't don't pick that one up. And I always like to say, especially when it comes to categorizations, that there's no right or wrong as long as you could provide reason for why you're doing what you're doing. And everyone's brains work differently and you want to work together with your brain and your situation and categorize it in that way. Actually, if you want to like go even a little deeper in categorizations, the cognitive function that's really comes before that you have to work on before you work on categorizations is called comparing. Because if you don't know how to compare, you don't know what things have to go together and what things have to go separate. So this is, this is why kids should watch Sesame Street. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so, so, but I, I'm, not, I'm not sure everyone is familiar with Sesame Street because we have folks all over the world. Although I think Sesame Street, there's versions all over the world, but one of the, the little things they do on, on Sesame Street is they have a song. It's like, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. And um, yeah, I might have like three red things and a blue thing. So it's a, that is about starting to teach that particular, um, that particular comparison. Exactly. Um, right function. now, comparison that is like for a three and five year old. And it's amazing because yes. you would start teaching cognitive functions and making sure they're strong from a very young age. But comparisons could also get much deeper, right? Like when you need to make a decision, how are you comparing, right? Some people like to say, this one is bigger, but this one is more expensive. That's not a comparison. This is big. This is small. This is cheap. This is expensive. And then which one are my priorities? Which parameter is most important for this situation? Yeah. And then again, this is a great, excuse me, connection with lean, because one of the things that we do, that we have a plethora of in our lean toolkit are tools for making, helping you make those kind of decisions. The tool doesn't make the decision, but the tool allows you to compare things in different ways so that you can move, move towards making that decision. And it might just, and I think, but you're right. So, right. People go, well, it's, you know, it's 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 about cost and ease of implementation. Those are the two big ones I hear people talking about all the time. But then there are other things that you really need to take into consideration. And so something might be very inexpensive, but is it going to last for a long time? Right? Is it right? Something something might look like it's going to be very durable, but is it going to be hard to buy more of them? You know, what's the you know what's the supply chain for those particular items? I mean, there's there are a lot, and that can take you back. Um, ST to to where some people get just overwhelmed, like like so. I've got to I've got I'm gonna now. I have too many factors. I don't know how to make my decision. Exactly. That's why besides for there just being 28 cognitive functions, there's so many ways to combine them and so many ways that they um, affect every single one of our tasks that that's why each thing different people struggle, like different things that different people struggle with are for many different reasons. So, so what's very interesting to me about this is that what you're talking about, so much of what you're talking about is things that in, in continuous improvement, we try to teach people. And many times we struggle to teach these things 
Um, and I think it's because we're not looking at people and saying, is this person, how advanced is this person in their ability to perform this particular cognitive function? I mean, I mean, this person may be very advanced in one and very and not advanced in the other. We don't even know that, right? Because we we don't have this, we don't have this knowledge about what what these individual cognitive functions are. So we want people to be able to, you know, to see things very clearly, to be able to um, you know, make decisions about what step to move forward with, decide what obstacle they're going to try to tackle next. Um, you know, there's actually a lot of decision making in the in the work that we that we ask people to do. And decision making is is hard. It's 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 hard for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you said, and it being able to just even if you don't know the cognitive functions, being able to understand based on how a person's brain works, what is best for them to do and like what they're going to struggle with and, and being able to, I guess, give them the support that they need to be able to do it or don't give it to them because sometimes it's just not worth it. Not that I'm like all for improving your brain and like change your brain and they could all learn it. But sometimes like when you're in business, like there's too many other things that have to happen first. So it's just not worth it. I think that, um, that, that what you're talking about is, is, a very important for uh, lean and continuous improvement practitioners to at least have a starting knowledge of, and you know, starting with the just understanding that not everybody's brain works the same way that your brain does, right? That's and it doesn't matter if you do if you're consulting or you're coaching or or you're the person who's been asked to you know solve a problem in your organization. The people that you work with, they're not going to see things the same thing same way you do, right? Exactly. They're not going. They're not going to think about things in the same way. And the things that overwhelm you may mean nothing to them. The things that you think are urgent, they may think are not urgent, and and vice versa. So just starting off in that place of we're all going to be a little bit different um, is a, is a really, really good place. Yeah. And you start. can use it to your benefit, right? So if you're not good at something, someone else is good at something. And instead of getting mad at someone that they're not good at it, you could leverage what they are good at and give that to somebody else. So what kind of people are you working with now? What, are, what kind of work are you doing now? Yeah, I mostly work um, with entrepreneurs, um, people who own their own businesses have been in it for quite a few years um, and really want to grow their business. But um, are feeling a bit stressed or overwhelmed or like don't know what they could do to make their lives easier. You know how they say, right? Like you quit your nine to five and you end up working all the time. So yeah, not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those type of people. Yeah. And, and again, so you're not working on necessarily, I think a lot of people come in, you know, come in, well, I'm going to help entrepreneurs. Well, I'm going to help people with social media marketing, or I'm going to help people with, um, uh, you know, finding clients or, or what, you know, whatever the particular thing is, what you are working on is that is how people are approaching this really from their brain, right? How are they yeah. thinking about it? Exactly. I always right? say that after you rewire your brain, all those courses and methods that you've tried before that didn't work will now work as long as it's a good method. <laughs> um, but so many times, like we spend so much money learning different things and buying 
digital courses and things like that, or even like just reading books and we're like, eh, I can't do this. Or I tried it and it didn't work. And sometimes they're not good, but a lot of the times it's usually we just, our brain just has a hard time being able um, to process it and implement it the right way. So can you take us a, a little bit down the path of, of how you, how you would start with somebody? What, what are the, the kind of conversations that you have in the beginning? Yeah. So we, I usually like sending people a cognitive functions assessment. Um, anyone could take it at lifefixuniversity.com forward slash CF for cognitive functions. Um, and just being able to assess each one of the 20 cognitive functions um, on a scale, like a one to five, how strong are they really? Because everyone has stronger ones and everyone has weaker ones. And based on that, we'll be able to decide which programs are best for you because we have a whole bunch of them and everything is customized based on every person, depending on your cognitive um, deficiencies. So, and this is, and this is, this is, has nothing to do with IQ or EQ. None of the above. Exactly. Okay. It happens to be, they do say that after like, I think 70 sessions of Feuerstein, your IQ goes up like, every, every 70 sessions. Um, like I, I haven't done my own like research on it. This is based on like their own Institute. Um, but I don't like, I'm not into IQ. I'm like, fine. Like, <laughs> you know, what? actually, I think that makes sense. If you think about, if you think about being able to do well on an IQ test, because IQ tests met, uh, actually evaluate things like categorization, which yeah. I still can't say. So I mean, that those are the kinds of questions that are on those kinds of tests. So I could, so if you improve some of those skills, that certainly would improve your score on the test. I know, would that make you into Einstein? Maybe not, but, um, but <laughs> right, right, I right. could see, I could see that kind of training, um, possibly improving those kind of tests. Yeah. Anyway. And it could also, it could also, um, improve your, EQ, not I. Not just because some of the cognitive functions are also like about cognitive flexibility, seeing another person's point of view, being able to like they're more like in the EQ sense. So I don't know if that was like ever assessed officially, but um, but yeah, you you, you yeah. basically like improve your overall thinking in all areas of your life. Okay, yeah. So so being able to just understand, have that theory of mind, and know that other people think differently from you, right? Yeah. Like that's a, that's the first step in emotional intelligence right that yeah exactly yeah and we have like old programs we do on emotions and being able to um like it sounds really basic but like some people struggle with being able to identify their own emotions right like we talk about all the emotional issues that people have and all the therapy that we go to and all those things and sometimes i'm not saying i'm all for therapy and like go deal with your traumas and go get the therapy that you need but many times it happens to be it starts from cognitive deficiencies and it affects um the emotional like it's like a cycle they go both ways um and it could be like just even being able to identify emotions and what you need to do to, to get yourself to change your emotion. Interesting. Interesting. So, so, um, somebody who is studying down this path would, would do, would do a test and, um, yeah, so it's a cognitive function assessment is not, not very long. will take you like about 10 minutes to do maybe less. You just read the, like each one of the 28 and you assess like on a scale from one to five, how much you are. Um, and then, I'll take a look at it or one of our coaches will take a look at it and then we'll decide if you could either work we work do one-on-one and we do like group coaching and based on which 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 one of your cognitive deficiencies are those are the that's the program you're going to follow like um to, yeah so in in lean and continuous improvement we talk a lot about the importance of of daily habits and and daily improvement because um you can't change a habit if you only work on it once every two weeks yeah right? I agree. so is that is, is that is that part of the work that you have people do 
Totally. So we actually, it's very intense. So we meet twice a week, um, whether you do it one-on-one or in a group. So that way you're really like in it. Um, in the past, when I used to like work with children, like right when I started, I would sometimes even meet people three times a week. Um, but what most important is between your sessions, we give you what's called brain challenges. So whatever we um, discussed during the sessions, the strategies that we spoke about that will help you rewire your brain are not to be done just during sessions. They are brain challenges for you to do in between each session and every day, like in between. So if we meet Monday and Thursday, you're going to do it on Tuesday and Wednesday, then again on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And we're going to ask you, like, where did you do it? Like, obviously it's not test and we're not marking you or anything, but for your own, just to keep you accountable of like, where did you improve these strategies and use them in your life every single day? Right. Because that's, that's the best way to, in fact, the only way to do that rewiring, right. Is yeah. Keep walking down the path. But like you say, where you have all these like neuron connections in your brain, right? You're all these paths that are really, really strong that you've been doing your whole life. And you want to create those new neuron connections. And the more you do them and the more you build on those habits, then you're just going to be easier and your, your neurons will fire faster together. Do people find that tiring when they start? I know one of the things that that um, that that happens as people are learning new habits is because it actually saves energy to follow an old habit, right? You 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 actually you don't have to if you're just following the pathway, you don't have to quote unquote think about it. You don't you don't have to use different muscles. You don't have to do things differently. And so when you start doing something new, it could be really surprisingly tiring. Do people find that? Yes. Yes. People are very tired. I usually like recommend people afterwards, like go do something a bit more relaxing. So like either go for a walk or take a shower, depending um, when you're doing it, because your brain sometimes might even hurt because you're actually thinking and we're really going to challenge you. I know like whenever I take these trainings, um, cause like I'm always still doing more advanced trainings of them. And like, we do like we get weeks at a time, like five days, eight, nine hours a day of like literally just stretching your brain. I'm like in bed by eight o'clock because like my brain has been working mm. so hard and I just can't like, I can't think anymore. I see. What's your, what's your favorite change that you've seen happen? People. And yourself or somebody else? And myself, I think, like I said before, like the time-saving thing, because like, I always thought it was the best thing this is like actually part of the challenge with like cognitive functions because we're so used to be doing it the same way. We think this is the right way and this is the best way to do it. So I really thought, I was like, look at me, I'm not procrastinating. I'm getting things done. I'm making things happen. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. And people are just like slipping on forever. They're not doing anything. But when I was able to like change that in my brain and save, I don't even know how many hours, probably like close to 20, maybe even more of just like being able to group things and save time together. It was like, woo. Um, that's one example. If you want an example of a client, um, I had a client who would, every time you would tell him a sentence, like you couldn't follow a story because if you would tell him one sentence, he would already forget the sentence beforehand. Okay. He wasn't dumb, but he just didn't, his brain struggled with being able to remember like what was happening. Now, why was that? wasn't actually a memory problem. What the problem was, was the cognitive function called labeling. Um, we give things labels in our brain to be able to understand them and comprehend them, right? Like we think in pictures and 
we give these pictures labels. That's why it's hard for us to talk about abstract concepts because we don't have a label for them in our brain. Now, this guy had a hard time being able to, he didn't, his brain didn't think in labels. His brain didn't have, didn't know how to do that. It just was a mush. So as soon as he told him, it just went into this pile of swirl of stuff in his brain and he couldn't remember anything. With, within two weeks, he was like skyrocketing in all his work because all of a sudden now his brain was able to put labels on things and was able to go and talk proper sentences, was able to communicate better, and most importantly, was able to understand what people were actually telling him because his brain now labeled things and was able to put them so-called in boxes and pictures. Wow. And, and I would imagine that he had had a lot of other things that he had tried um, to solve that problem. Because yes, yes, that would yeah, be pretty debilitating. Been, like, therapy I think. since he was like a kid or something. Ah, that's great. That's great. So tell us again about about your organization. How people can find you? Yes. So, um, you can find me at Life Picks University. So that's L I F E Life Picks P I X University. Um, find all information about how to work together, what we do, and um, if you like podcasts then you could check out the Life Picks University podcast where we go through like challenges that people in at work usually have or at home and being able to really understand why you might be having this challenge. What is the cognitive function that is stopping you from being able to make this, that's causing this challenge and giving you actual strategies to rewire your brain so you don't have this challenge anymore. That's great. Thanks. And can people connect with you on LinkedIn or Twitter or any place? Yes. So you go LinkedIn on, on, on LinkedIn, you could get to SD Rappaport, um, like SD Rappaport. My favorite place is TikTok. I don't know how many people of you here are on TikTok. Um, but if you are, you could check me out at Life Picks University. We have a lot of fun there. Life Picks University on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's great. All right. SD Rappaport. Tell us what would be your one piece of advice for a young person studying out. All right. I don't know how many times you heard this before already. Probably my guess is a lot, but my question is if you actually listen to it and that is to take risks and just don't, and just go do it. You're always going to regret not doing something over regretting doing it. And it failed because you took a risk. You tried it. You had fun. You learned something. Either you it worked out and you had a lot of fun and you learned it or you didn't work out and you learned from the mistake or the thing that failed that it happened. So don't think too much about it. Well, for me, just talking about how much you have to think before you do things and rewind your brain. But by the end of the day, don't overthink things. Just go and do it. Take risks and make life a whole lot more fun. Take the risk, do the experiment. That's perfect. Yeah. That's actually great lean advice. So <laughs> Really appreciate that. Thank you, SD Rappaport, for traveling with me to the edges of lean. Thank you so much. This is fun. This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank SD Rappaport for being my guest on the edges of lean. How has practicing lean or continuous improvement changed your cognitive functions? What have you observed? Would you like to learn more? We'd love to hear from you. Find ST at www.lifepicksuniversity.com or on LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn or at leanforhumans.com or comment wherever you watch or listen. Subscribe and tell a friend about the Edges of Lean. Please join me in exploring more of the Edges of Lean. There's a lot to learn. 
and check out my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com. You'll find more podcasts and videos with lots of great new content every week. The Edges of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelbach with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.